37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy New Year. This is episode 308. It's cold in Kansas. I am Sean. And of course, um, these lingering effects of COVID are just kicking my ass. I feel like just like a hobo right now. My hair is disheveled. My voice is all gravelly. But by God, we're here because I didn't dare want to not go two weeks in a row and not have a show. Yeah. And with me, as always, is Preston. Preston, buddy, how are you? What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocodiles and crocodingos, you skeletors and skeletes, witchers and witches, and whatever the fuck else you want to be? I'm okay. You know, still don't have a fridge. Hell yeah. But uh, I was gonna ask, man. I was gonna ask if you had a fridge yet. That's that's really shitty, dude. Yeah, I got pushed back that's... all the way to the 24th. So I don't know. Oh but, man. I mean. You know, the high tomorrow is like nine degrees, or the low tomorrow is nine degrees outside, so it's basically like fridge weather outside anyway, so you know what? Right, right. Fucking store that shit outside. Yeah, I mean, right now is the time, dude. Put your beer outside, put your whiskey outside, put your ham hocks and your, you know, pork chops and everything else out there. Yeah. Good, good stuff, man. Yeah, it's going to get cold real quick, and I'm not really sure what to think about it, man, because last time it got this cold, my water pipes froze to my washing machine. So, Godspeed and good luck. Folks, we're thinking it's going to get down to about negative 4 degrees Fahrenheit uh, in about three days from now. So, say a little prayer. Think about us on the outside. Say a little prayer for you. <laughs> now, before we get any farther into this, if you're watching us on YouTube or Kick or Rumble or Facebook, go ahead and give us a little like, give us a little subscribe, and hit the little bell up there in the corner so you get notifications when we go live. That's right. Don't and be that... pe- peeping Tom. Don't just watch. <laughs> like, if you took the five minutes to click on the fucking show, like, subscribe, and share with all your friends. Because guess what? We're one away from 300 on YouTube. Like, yeah, we've, been, we've been dangling... We've been dingle dangling at two ninety nine for like the last two weeks. We just need one fucking person to hit that button. Right, man. The big three hundred. That could be you, whoever you are, you dirty peeping Tom. Dirty fucking that dangles. Could... Yeah. <laughs> right. And before we get any farther, of course, I want to say what's up to Doctor Corbo. Our buddy Lazarus is on, and also Jeremy M is watching with us as well. So um, this segues nicely into my next quick little housekeeping here. I don't know how long ago it was, Presto. Three months ago, we're like, man, we're going to start streaming every Wednesday night. It's going to be Wednesday night because Wednesday night's the right night. And then I think every week for the last at least six or eight weeks, we've had to go on Thursdays because everything falls apart on Wednesdays. Yeah. (laughs) Thursday night is going to be the right night is what we're saying. Yeah, Thursday nights are going to be the nights we're going to have to start live streaming, um, which means, unfortunately, audio won't drop until Saturday morning. And I'm kind of thrilled about dropping podcasts on weekends, but I know some folks like to uh, listen during the weekdays, so maybe you just got to put this bad boy off till like, Monday. But um, that's the way it's got to go right now with everything going on, man. We definitely, definitely got to go Thursday night. It's going to be a lot easier for all of us to uh, maneuver and everything else, man, but... Well, the good news is, even though I feel like hot garbage, we still have a fun episode for everybody. 
We're back for the first episode, 2024, and we got some pretty fun stuff. On the episode, with the temperatures rapidly dropping here in Kansas, we decided we're going to dive into the weird and frigid, even frigid, even oftentimes overlooked world of winter monsters. And we've talked about Santa Claus and Krampus, Drapel Schnickel, all those guys a couple different times here. We even dived into the weird realm of winter yokai, but yet there's still tons of other interesting monsters for us to chat about. So we're going to talk about other winter monsters that we haven't scratched the surface of yet. And a uh, big newsflash, it's going to be a two-parter. Because after we were diving into here, we had a list of about seven or eight creatures. And I quickly realized this could turn into a very long episode. And I don't think that my lungs are going to let me go than more than about half an hour. So... We got four really interesting creatures to talk about. We're not going to waste any more time. Presto, you ever heard about the old Chinu, the cannibalistic ice giant? Lay it on me, baby. Lay it on me. Awesome, man. So the Chinu is a fascinating creature from the folklore of the indigenous tribes of northeastern United States and eastern Canada, particularly around the Wabanaki people. Now, often compared to the likes of trolls or giants or even the Wendigo, the Chinu is a really strange creature that's wrapped in mystery and also a couple life lessons, because that's what folklore does. The Chinu is often described as a giant human-like monster, except it also has really bad hygiene. Yeah, this guy stinks, man. Move over, swamp slob. This guy, I think, takes the cakes, even which the likes of the swamp ape hasn't seen. The appearance, however, can be very terrifying, with some tales suggesting that its heart is made of pure ice, rendering the creature devoid of any warm emotions or feelings. Imagine seeing a giant, like, 12 or 14 foot tall Bigfoot, but the thing's mangy and it's lost hair all over its head, and it looks like it's a zombie. This mm. thing is absolutely disgusting. Yeah. But one of the most distinctive features about the Chinu is its insatiable hunger and cannibalistic tendencies. Is said the creature devours humans and is at constant states of hunger that can never be satisfied, a la its cousin, the Wendigo. Now, the origin stories for the Chinu can vary. One common legend tells about the Chinu and how it was once a human being, but after committing a terrible sin or undergoing a very traumatic experience, the person's heart turns to ice, transforming them into the monstrous creature, and it just grows in size as the appetite continues to grow inside of it. But a more common interpretation of the Chinu is that once upon a time, these creatures were humans. But sadly, they got lost in the frozen wilderness and somehow turned to the unforgivable sin of cannibalism, thus transforming this beast into an ice-hearted giant as a result of the harshness of the environment and the loneliness it experienced. Ugh. Yeah. While the Chinu is primarily a figure of Native American folklore, especially among the Wabanaki people of the northeastern U.S. and Canada, tales of real-life encounters with such a creature have also occasionally surfaced. Now, the accounts of whether actual sightings or influenced legends are true or just figments of the imagination can be argued, but they offer a glimpse into the enduring power of oral traditions and the fear they can evoke. So among the Wabanaki tribes, it's pretty common for elders to share stories of the Chinu around campfires. These tales oftentimes involve personal accounts of hearing the Chinu's terrifying roar from afar or even discovering large, unexplained footprints 
in the snow. Though often told as cautionary tales or moral lessons, the vivid details provided by these narrators make the listeners truly wonder about the reality of these accounts. Some early settlers and travelers in the northeastern regions reported encounters with strange, large creatures off in the wilderness. Now, while these tales could be referencing a variety of cryptids like Bigfoot or other monsters, they could also be the result of misunderstandings, simple misidentifications of maybe bears or other larger creatures that are, you know, known to this terrestrial plane. Other characteristics of the Chinu describe the giant human-like figure with a seemingly cold demeanor stalking the woods. Locals occasionally report hearing unexplained roars or even screams coming from the dense forests, especially during the harsh winter months. And these things could be simply attributed to known wildlife, but some believers believe these to be the cries of the Chinu. In certain remote areas, hikers have occasionally reported finding large humanoid footprints in the snow and the mud as well, but much larger than any of those known to be local animals or even humans. Though definitive proof is still lacking, as it is with much of these cryptids we talk about, these reports often reignite discussions about the Chinu. So what do you do if you find yourself face-to-face with one of these uncounted giant cannibals? They're stalking you in the snowy underbelly of Canada. What's a person to do, Preston? Undress well, and spread them cheeks. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that's one approach, right? Yeah. Unlike most other evil creatures. Though a Chinu can return to its human form, you have to do this by either extracting the heart or being thrown up by the Chinu itself. That's right, Presto. you got to do the uh, Kali Ma, Kali Ma, reach in there and grab the heart and pull it out of this giant frozen beast. Kali or Ma, you have to be... day. <laughs> right. Or you have to be devoured and hopefully not chewed up completely by this thing and then somehow, you know, tickle its uh, uvula and have it puke you back up. And that act itself can cause this thing back uh, to All turn right. back into a human. I, I bet you, like, you know, three pepperoni pizzas, you can't swallow me whole, motherfucker. And then you're in his stomach <laughs> and you just stick that arm and be like, tickle, uh... tickle. You're like, what's up, <laughs> Jerry? Good to see you, pal. <laughs> old Jerry. Man, three pepperoni pizzas, huh? Oh, good stuff. Anyway, you go about it. The icy heart must be destroyed by being completely melted. So I think even if you get puked back up, maybe it gives you some kind of secret power. But no matter what, at the end of the day, you got to destroy this thing's frozen heart. But if you do that, it turns back into a human. So the lesson here, Preston, is don't fucking eat people. You know, just like the Wendigo. Simple, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Lazarus, why the fuck would you not be in Canada? They're so nice yeah. in Canada. They have milk in plastic bags, and they say a boot, not a bout. They have, like, hardcore maple syrup. All right. Well, getting back to our next beast, we have the shape-shifting trickster known as the Egirak, which is how I'm assuming to pronounce it. The Egirak are shape-shifting creatures who kidnap children and abandon them in places that are hidden away and not so easy to find. They've been said to have taken many different animal forms, including wolves, bears, reindeer, ravens, and sometimes even humans. 
It's also said that no matter what form the Igerac takes, its eyes are always the same. The one way of identifying these creatures is that their piercing red eyes tend to blink horizontally. Isn't that kind of strange, Presto? Yes. The only way to identify this thing is if it comes upon you, whether it be a wolf, a raven, or a bear, and it blinks at you and the eyes close up vertically. But see, this is just one of many problems because the Igerac is such a trickster, generally when they approach you, they may have long tufts of fur covering their eyes, or in a human form, maybe long hair, you know, their bangs are covering their face or wearing a hood or a hat of some sort. Anyway, you slice it, these frightening creatures have a distant appearance of a human form. Their eyes and lips are said to be sideways, meaning if they blink or close their mouth, they do so vertically as opposed to horizontally. Perhaps equally as terrifying is their ability to steal the memories from those they terrorize, meaning that if people encounter these creatures, the Igerac may be able to take away the memory of you even meeting it. So for all you know, listeners, watchers, viewers, you may have met a couple of these and not even realized it. But the problem is here, too, these things can also kind of inject a sense of amnesia all the way around, steal important memories from you, too. Mm. But like I said a moment ago, one of the most common themes associated with the Igerac is that they tend to be associated with the disappearing of children. Over generations, there have been stories of children playing near the tundra's edge who suddenly vanish without a trace. When search parties fail to locate them, the Igerac are often blamed, so this could be yet another explanation to potentially that missing 411 mystery. The Igeracs are said to lure children far away from their villages, where these creatures will either abandon them, hide them, or simply eat the bastard children. But in the event the children are spared as a meal, perhaps what's even more cruel is that the children will then never be able to find their way home because these creatures take them out into the middle of nowhere and drop them off without any breadcrumbs or footprints to trace their way back. So perhaps even more cruel and brutal is the fact that they'll drop these kids off in the middle of the Arctic tundra and just let them get lost in the wilderness and freeze to death. Yeah, fuck them kids. (laughs) Right. Several Inuit hunters have narrated tales of spotting a human-like figure off in the distance while out on the tundra. But upon approaching these figures, they oftentimes disappear or transform into some other kind of arctic animal like a bear or a wolf, reinforcing the idea that these creatures have shape-shifting abilities. Some accounts speak of hearing whispers and children's laughter while travelers in the Arctic uh, make their way across the expanse. Often when there's no one around and others claim to even hear disembodied whistling trailing across the Arctic wind. The Igerac mainly dwell in the Arctic rainforest, but they're also believed to hunt through the entire Arctic region, awaiting travelers who pass by the woods on their lonesome before launching an all-out onslaught. These things are also very territorial and don't like people snooping around their lairs. If a human were to be near their home, the person suddenly feels confused and disoriented, getting turned around and quickly forgetting where they are and what they were doing. This tactic ensures the evil Igerac protect their stomping grounds to never be discovered. It's almost like the Tikbalang, right? Yeah. That Filipino creature we talked about? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. One specific tale, though, tells of an encounter of an Ngakuk, uh, uh, Inuit shaman, that he had with the Igerac. 
Whilst traveling alone in the snowstorm one evening, the shaman became surrounded by the Ijirak, who were intimidating, with their glowing red eyes staring, sending shivers down his spine. The shaman convinced them that he was no real threat, but refused their offer when they asked him to drop down and join their forces, surrender his soul, and become one of them. This only angered the Ijirak, who then attacked the shaman and physically overbore him, and he subdued. The shaman fought back with the help of his friendly spirits, however, but this was still futile, and soon he was left unconscious and was carried to the home of the Ijirak. While there, the creature saw a better side of the shaman, however, as one of the females agreed to free him on the basis that she could see him again. So being a quick thinker, the shaman said, Hold on a second, baby. If you let me go, I swear, mama, I'll come back every single weekend. Yeah. So she said, yeah, this guy can be trusted, and she let him go. But the shaman returned home having no memory of what he'd encountered earlier that day. The effects slowly wore in and wore out, and soon he had little recollection of the entire event. The Igerak haunted the shaman for the rest of his days, and then, when he's on his deathbed, he remembered vividly the experience that he had. See, it all came flooding back. And after they returned to revel in his mortal pain, he then agreed to join the creatures instead of going to heaven. It is because of this that many believe the Igerak to be the spirits of recently deceased folk, some kind of strange harbinger that just kind of, you know, stalks and, you know, goes across this Arctic land like a ghost. Kind of reminds me of that Mary Loot. Mm. The only hope for surviving such an evil encounter is listening closely. See, when the Igerak arrives, there's a human-like whistling to be heard. Yet there's no source for the whistle before you see the creature. So if you hear this upon meeting somebody new for the first time, it's a good sign to run because it could possibly be, could possibly be one of these shape-shifting creatures looking for its next tasty meal. So in short, folks, a lesson here to learn is if you meet somebody and can't figure out where this whistling noise is coming from, you look around, there's no kindly old man, and the person approaching you in the hood covering their eyeballs isn't whistling themselves, you need to turn, heel, and run. Oh, my. Presto, what do you got for me, buddy? Yeah, you got a good one here. Yeah, I got the uh leave knuckle the ever. <laughs> I like Nucleave, that sounds good. Nucleave. Welcome to the chilling wor- world of the Orkney Islands, where the Nucleave, a creature straight out of your worst nightmare, roams the winter landscape. Picture this. A sea-dwelling monster with a side gig as a land explorer. Talk about a creature with a diverse skill set. But fear not, friends. During the summer, the Mither O.C., or the Mother of the Sea, keeps the beast at bay, like a strict lifeguard for the tempestuous ocean. However, come winter, all bets are off, and chaos reigns supreme. Well, at least until it starts raining, because apparently this terrifying creature has a fear of showers. Who knew? Now, what? Yeah, let's dive into the juicy details of this nightmare inducing entity. The Orcadians, bless their hearts, believed that this creature uh, until at least the 19th century, believed in this creature until at least the 19th century. Can you imagine the effect it had on their holiday spirit? According to tradition, those brave enough to claim they've seen it, the Nuklive is described as a man-like creature, but with a single red eye. 
a mouth big enough to mm. swallow a small village, and absolutely no skin. So it's kind of like a uh, Hellraiser, like when you know the the uh, whatever the, the Deadites or the uh, pin pin uh, Cenobites, uh-huh. Cenobites. You know, it's like all it's just like you know blood and sinew and. All that Ugh. gross shit is just floating around. It's moist. It's a moist <laughs> it's a moist skin monster, is what I'm saying. Moister than an oyster. Yeah. Ugh. Its sinewy arms hang down to the ground, making it the ultimate contender for the limbo champion of the monster world. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, it sometimes rides a horse like monster that's equally as skinless and terrifying. It's like a twisted equestrian nightmare. Some accounts even describe a monster's hybrid like a centaur from your worst dreams. Imagine a man-like torso growing out of the back of a horse fused together like a bizarre Ugh. creature combo. Talk about a chiropractor's worst nightmare. <laughs> While the monster... Yeah. It's a cat dog. <laughs> yeah, a cat dog. While the monster <laughs> may be at its most powerful in the winter, don't let your guard down during the other seasons. If crops fail, animals fall ill, or accidents happen, guess who's to blame? You've got it, the knuckle uh. It's like the ultimate scapegoat for all things that go wrong. Poor little guy. Always get the blame <laughs> for life's little mishaps. Like everything else in folklore, oh, your kids went missing because they fell off the edge of the fucking world because you let them play in the Arctic tundra. It was the knuckle yeah, was... yeah, Yeah, right. Little bastards. Okay, so now let's talk about the Arcadians and their kelp obsession. They had this peculiar habit of drying kelp from the sea and using it for all, all sorts of things. Not only did they use it like fertilizer, but they also burned it and used the ash for uh, glass and soap making. But here's the kicker. The Naklivle absolutely despised the smell of burning kelp. So it's it's like the monster's version of a scented candle gone wrong. In retaliation, <laughs> the Naklive would sometimes unleash a deadly disease that would wipe out horses. Like shit, dude. Like what a what did Nelly ever do to you? Yeah, no kidding, man. But what's even more amusing, despite the Naklive's rage, the, the Ocadians continued burning kelp like nobody's business. They were like, "Hey, monster, we're gonna keep burning this shit, and there's nothing you can do about it." It's like a rebellious teenager defying their parents, except in this case, perhaps our as terrifying horse-human hybrids. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and then let's dive into the story of Tomas, the brave or may, maybe slightly intoxicated man who claimed to have countered the Nuckleville. <laughs> Picture this. It's a dark and moonless night. Tomas is out and about minding his own business and suddenly spots a monstrous shape in the distance. As it gets closer, he realizes it's none other than the fearsome Naklive. And let me tell you, this creature was a sight to behold. A horse-human hybrid, skinless, with one eye, and a terrifying air about it. Whew! Tomas, being quite the thinker that he is, uh, knows he can't outrun the Naklive. But guess what? He had a secret weapon. A foot full of fresh water from the nearby lock. He splashes it on the creature. Uh. And boy, does it get mad. Uh, the Naklive had such a strong aversion to water, it's like a cat encountering a bathtub. But Tomas does not stop there. He jumps over a running river, and the Naklive refuses to cross it. In the end, the Naklive lets out a howl of frustration, and because all it managed to grab was Tomas's cap, I guess it was having a bad hair day and needed a new accessory. <laughs> now, the question remains, did Tomas really see the Naklive, or... Was he just a little too fond of the local brew? 
And if he was spinning a tall tale, why bother when he didn't even want to talk about it in the first place? Well, maybe Tomas genuinely believed he encountered the Nuckleve, or maybe, just maybe, it was just an angry man on horseback. But hey, who doesn't love a good mystery? <laughs> so, my friends, the next time you find yourself on the Orkney Islands, keep an eye out for the L- Nuckleve, and remember, if it starts raining, you're safe from its terrifying presence. Just don't forget your umbrella. <laughs> what in the Doctor Who is that, man? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... amazing. Yeah, that thing's uglier than hell, dude. I think that the I think that I I think it needs to be the new Cenobite. I think that if they do another Hellraiser, uh... like that 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 needs to be it. Like it needs to be in its half horse, half human, skinless, you know, moist form, just with its sinew and blood vessels and like you know. Yeah, all that all that crap. Does it have a dingle? Does it have a dangle? We don't know, but it's got meat. My, Boy, does it have meat! It may have it may have two dingles, but they're attached at the heads. So it's kind of this weird, like, yeah. like the thing you used to get when you were little. It was like a tube of jelly, and you could just like go back and forth, and it would just kind of like slide back and forth in your palm. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a like an inside out flashlight. Yeah, that's what I imagine it's got. Also, the Nucleve reminds me of the Yotun. You know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, we'll have to talk about that again on another episode. It was a um, a creature from Norse mythology. Mythology. Norse mythology. That's a tough one to say. Well, let's wrap her up, shall we? I save the best for last here, possibly. What about the old Mahaha the Tickler? That's right. Yeah. Mahaha never heard of the Tickler. Mahaha. Me neither. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the episode fades to black. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. That's all we got, Finally, folks. We... <laughs> right, right. That's the best you're getting we uh, finish... for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. Hey, man, I'm hopped up on medicine and a fever and God knows what else. Yeah. Up next, finishing out this episode, we have emerging from the vast and unforgiving depths of the Arctic wilderness, the legendary and dastardly Mahaha the Tickler. Also known as simply Mahaha, the real bastard of a demon that terrorizes the Canadian Arctic. God damn This enigmatic Canadians. being. <laughs> Dude, they got a whole, you know, cornucopia of creeps up there, man. This enigmatic being is renowned for its eerie and unsettling behavior, which serves as a chilling cautionary tale about the dangers that lurk again, Lazarus, in the frozen tundra. Mahaha are extremely gaunt, yet muscular still, with strength that is unimaginable. They have ice-blue translucent skin that appears to be stretched so tightly around their bodies, their bones are visibly protruding from the thin skin. Mm. The creature's head hangs low. Its large, sullen eyes peer at the victim from behind stringy hair falling over the front of its face, a la some kind of manic, roided-out smeagol. Now, paradoxically, though, encounters with the Mahaha quickly turn from whimsy to malevolent, with its curious behavior taking unsuspecting travelers on a journey from laughter to sheer terror. In the eerie encounters with the Mahaha, travelers initially encounter this creature and have an unsettling sense of mischievousness about the air. The creature approaches with an air of uh, beguilement, luring its victims into a false sense of security. However, it doesn't take long for the Mahaha to reveal its true eerie nature. 
See, once in its proximity, you'll notice the Mahaha unleashes a strange and disconcerting power. First of all, it starts giggling uncontrollable, uncontrollably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and after that, it slowly unravels its long, bony, blade-like fingers and begins to then tickle the unsuspecting victim relentlessly. This tickling, though, seems harmless at first. I mean, I like, uncontrollable. A good, I like a good tickle. I mean, <laughs> bring it on, bitch. Yeah. Pickle me, tickle me, right? The tickling seems harmless at first, inducing uncontrollable and maniacal laughter, as if the icy fingers of the Arctic itself were playing a cruel jest. But then the laughter soon becomes increasingly unsettling, as the victim's mirth soon turns into distress. The Mahaha is always smiling and giggling as if it thoroughly enjoys the torture of the victims and immediately becomes giddy each time it discovers a new one. The monster has inhumanely long fingernails that resemble knives, and it's with those knives that the Mahaha suddenly tickles the victim to death. But how, you might ask? Well, this thing doesn't necessarily tickle the unsuspecting victim in the way that you think, but instead, it actually merely starts tickling you know, uh, innocently enough. Then soon, the blades of the fingernails elongate, and it begins shredding the victim into pieces, bit by bloody bit. The mark of the Mahaha is just as unsettling as the sight of the creature itself, though. You see, every last victim of the Mahaha, after receiving the fatal tickle fight, is then left in a bloody heap, with a twisted, evil smile bared across their face as their corpse lay frozen after the attack. The sight of the victim alone is not enough to strike fear into the hearts of generations lost long ago, so we still have to have the cautionary tale. Don't stray off too far into the tundra, folks, because if you do, the Mahaha may tickle you <laughs> until the <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, buddy, the improv is its finest yeah. tonight. Uh, well, there we go, folks. Just a little teaser, a little taster. On our next episode, I've got at least four other really strange creatures, including a frozen chupacabra. But I also got a whole slew of news stories that I didn't want to cover tonight because I didn't want to die of a coughing fit. Anyway, man, I've been talking about mucus so much. I've got ads on YouTube now for Mucinex. Interesting stuff. Mm. All right, with that, guys, that is the end of the episode. We want to thank you guys for joining us and for watching. Jeremy M., welcome, buddy. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Uh, Fire Pixie Lazarus, thanks for joining us as always. If you're on social media, please give us a follow. We are on Instagram at PXL Paranormal. On Facebook, we are the, para- the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Preston, where are you streaming this bad boy these days? We got YouTube, we got Rumble. We got Kick, we got Twitch, we got Facebook. Uh, I mean, we're everywhere you want a podcast to be. We're on Audible, <laughs> we're on uh, Spotify, uh, we're on Podbean. We're on, I mean, we're fucking everywhere, man. Yeah, you better yeah. believe it. Uh, we're always Hell still yeah, sitting buddy. at uh, <clears throat> 299 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> Go click and like. <laughs> ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. That's not too bad. We'll get there. We'll get there soon. We'll get there. Before the end of the month, buddy. We'll have it. We'll have it. All right, cool. Well, what else you got for me, pal? Well, 
Ladies and gentlemen, brace yourself for the most epic beard experience of the century. Get ready to unleash the power of Big Dobbs Beard Bomb 2.0, where beard butter makes everything better. Winter is here, folks, and you know what that means. It's time to protect your face fortress from the icy winds and the Wendigo monsters looking in the shadows. But fear not, because Big Dobbs Beard Bomb 2.0 has got your back, or rather, has your beard. Picture this, you're strolling down the frozen streets, your beard glistening with the power of Big Dobbs Beard Bomb 2.0. Mint. Minty freshness. The cold weather tries to freeze your face, but your beard stands tall, defying the elements like a fearless warrior. And here's the best part. Our exclusive promo code, PXLPARA, you can get a whopping 20% off your order. That's right, 20% off to keep your beard game strong and your wallet happy. But wait, there's more, because there always is. Not only will Big Dobbs Beard Bomb 2.0 protect your face from the cold, but it would also make you smell like a mighty legend. Imagine the envy of everyone around you as they catch a whiff of the irresistible mint scent. You'll be the talk of town, my friend, the talk of the town. So don't let the winter blues get you down. Embrace the power of Big Dobbs Beard Bomb 2.0 and conquer the cold with style. Remember... Use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Your beard will thank you, and so will your wallet. Big Dobbs Beard Bomb 2.0, because beard butter makes everything better. Get yours today and become the bearded legend you were born to be. Good stuff, buddy. Good stuff. Hey, and Fire Pixie, you're right. Bush butter. I mean, why not? You can use it on your face. You can use it in other places. We don't care. Just go and get it. <laughs> yeah, we're not judging, man. Yeah. We're not judging. Oh. <laughs> if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by see our friends over at Paranormal Egg Experience Food Truck and Paranormal.cafe. And in the Wichita area, stop by and see Leslie and the rest of the gang over at CD Trade Post Pawnee and Seneca. All right. Well, that about does it, folks. Uh, sorry about the short episode. We'll make it up next time. But I'm going to raise this giant mug of water to all of you and say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us who love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.